0: Welcome, this is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. As you can imagine, when you're on a road trip, staying in such high quality accommodation, um, kitchen facilities aren't the strongest. So what do you do when you're on a road trip? When it comes... To eating, you have Maccas. You have Maccas. Maccas for breakfast. You have mackers for lunch. And you have Maccas for dinner. And the one thing I will say this is Adelaide's pretty good. I love Adelaide. I had some quite high expectations going over to Victoria. Because you see those adverts on TV. Have you seen the adverts where it's kind of the constant battle between Victoria and Adelaide. Have you seen those adverts? And I sat there and I've seen the adverts and and Adelaide does give Victoria quite a, you know, low standard. But we got into Victoria and the adverts are true because it was nothing but grey clouds, rainy, drizzly sky. Everything was cold, wet and damp. And to top it all off, Victoria has the worst McDonald's going. So Donna, if I can have my prop here. I have a prop here. See, Victoria Victoria. We actually caught up with Tone and Kath while we were over in Melbourne. And one day we'd gone to the we'd gone to the markets and we figured, oh the kids are there. Blame the kids. And <laughs> Cool, thanks for that, guys. The violin's playing. Anyway, we stopped off at Macca's, and I'm telling you, we actually had to take the chips back. They were that bad. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Kath took the chips back because they were that bad. But I'm telling you, these things were terrible. Have you ever been on a bus and you know the windows in the bus, how sometimes like young punks have got in there and etched their like tagged into the windows and stuff like that. I swear I saw a kid, young punk in Victoria, on the bus, etching his tag, not into the bus window, into like the pavement with a McDonald's fry. They were that hard. They were overcooked. And not only that, they tasted disgusting. Unlike these ones. So these are Adelaide... McDonald's fries. And these taste really good. I'm going to have to have a glass of water after this because it's going to make me thirsty. But they're really, really good. Like, I don't even know if I can really start to explain how good these chips are. I think to do them a service, what I would have to do is I'd have to get someone up on stage to test and to sample these McDonald's chips to see how good they really are. But I don't think I'll do that for the sake of time. But what is it about McDonald's fries? See, Kel loves McDonald's. For me, on the other hand, when it comes to fast food and it comes to fries, hands down, KFC beats it. KFC have the best fries. chips, sorry, chips. But the downside about KFC is you can go to KFC, you can order your meal and you'll, you'll bite into those chips and the flavor is sensational. It's like there's a party in your mouth and it's just wonderful. But you can go back to that same KFC restaurant, you can order the same meal and you go for those chips expecting that party and they are the worst, soggiest, blandest, flavourless chips you'll ever taste. KFC are great, but they're so inconsistent. And I sit there and I think, well, what is it that makes a chip so good? Because it can't be the potato. Because when you think about it, potato is bland, it's boring, it's flavourless. When, I mean, when, when you go to, when you get some potato, like uh, Mashed potato, what's the one thing that you chuck in there? Like half a tub of butter, just so that you can get some flavor in it. When it comes to fast food chips, it's like, what is it that gives them their flavor? And it comes down to this. It's the salt seasoning. Salt is the key that makes chips really good. And to be honest, a lot of what I said was purely for illustration purposes, because to be honest, those chips are quite bad. (laughs) They're quite soggy. And I really do need to have a drink now. So hopefully McDonald's downloads this sermon and they get a critique of their chips. But it comes down to that. The thing that makes chips good is the salt. You, know, you don't go to a hot chips place and go, oh, I'll have some hot chips, thanks. Uh, no salt. It's the same old question. It's chicken salt or plain salt. Who's a chicken salt person? Who's plain salt? Cool. <laughs> All Oh, seven of yous. All seven of yous. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Usually I'd read from the NIV, but tonight I'm going to read from the message. Have you got it? Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. It says, let me tell you why you're here. Are you wondering why you're at church tonight? Are you wondering what... It is the kind of circumstances played out the way they are that you happen to be in church tonight. So I'm going to tell you why you're here, because a lot of people ask that question. Why do we go to church? What is it about Jesus Christ? What is it about this whole Christian shindig that's so important? And this is answered in this next couple of lines. It says, let me tell you why you're here. And this is Jesus himself speaking. He says, you are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You are here to be the salt of the world. Life, just like a potato. It can be bland. It can be flavorless. But God has called us to bring flavor to this world. Because the world will turn around and say that you've got to sleep around and you've got to go get drunk and you've got to do drugs and you've got to have the flashiest car and you've got to have the biggest house because if you have those things, then you will have a very tasty life. But the reality is that is not the truth. It is God in you that brings out the true flavours in life. As we keep reading, that's where it gets to the downside. It says, If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Now, to be honest, we're talking about salt. Salt is not the most charismatic item on this planet. And I was really struggling to come up with a decent title for my message. So tonight, I've just called it The Unwasted Life. The unwasted life. Because I'm telling you, right from the get-go, if you've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage, that is what we do not want. So why are you here? For us, as we were away after eating so much Maccas, and I mean we ate tons and tons and tons of Maccas, there was one thing that we really wanted, and that was just something real. And you know what? There's a world that's out there and it's been force fed, fast food junk. But you know what? It's crying out for something real. Something that is nutritional. Something that the flavor is real, not this fake stuff. So I ask the question to the Word, as you do. It's a good way to read your Bible, to ask it questions. And I'm sitting there going, okay, Jesus, what is it about salt? It's not the coolest thing. And to be honest, as I've said, it's kind of left me stumped in regards to trying to come up with a flashy, cool title. But you know what? God's not called us to be a cool people. He's called us to be a real people, a flavor-filled people. So tonight we're going to look at a couple of aspects of salt and what it is about salt that Jesus wants wants us to be. And the first thing that we're going to look at is the fact that salt enhances flavor. I said it before, potatoes, bland. Life can be bland. Life will turn around and say, drugs, sex, rock and roll, that's what you need to have a flavor-filled life. But you know what? Just like McDonald's, there is such a thing as too much. Me and Kel, we had heaps of Maccas while we were away. Yes, to our shame, but we're on the road, so that was our excuse, and I'm sticking to it. But the reality is, a couple of days into it, we just got to the stage where we just wanted some real food. We didn't want anything that was dripping in fat. We didn't want anything that was cooked in a microwave. We just wanted real food. Because it gets to a stage where after a while, you're just sick of fake You know what? And the world is the same. The world, like I said before, it's been force fed fake food and it's crying out for something real. Now, we as a people, sometimes we walk around and we're complete phonies. And yet, for some reason, we believe that the world will think we're real. But instead, it's crying out for genuine reality. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to be real. Now, this is the thing about McDonald's. It tastes really, really good. I'm sure you'll all agree with that. Fast food tastes really good. But if we compare fast food now to sin, it kind of falls in the same category. Because sin, in the moment, doesn't necessarily always feel that bad. And God knows that. In his word, when he talks about Moses, it says that he, endured, uh, he, he went without the pleasures of sin. So that it, well, let me read it so I get it right. It Says he chose to be mistreated along with his people, with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Sin tastes good, and God knows it. But God also knows that the long-term effects of it aren't that great either. Now, this is the thing: you become sick of it, and it becomes disgusting to taste. And sin can be like that. You can only go on and do wrong things for a certain amount of time before all of a sudden in your gut, you know that something's wrong and you've had too much. Psalm 34 verse 8, it says, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. When people come into contact with you, what do they taste? What is the flavor that your life is enhancing? Is it enhancing fast food, fake reality? Is it enhancing sin? Or when people come into contact with you, they encounter the flavor of life, which is Jesus Christ. The way we give off the aroma of Jesus is by doing the right thing. It's when our words and our actions line up. It's when we see people and rather than making judgments upon them by the way they look or the way they act, instead we love them. When people do wrong things to us rather than harboring drudges and getting bitter and angry or upset, instead we forgive them. It's when we sit there and say, I believe in Jesus, I love God and I love the church that I'm attached to on a Sunday, but then on Monday you live out the same words that you spoke on the Sunday. And on Tuesday, you live out the same words. And Wednesday and Thursday. And when no one's watching, you're still doing that. That there is the aroma of Jesus. And that there is when we enhance the flavor of God in our life. Point number two, salt preserves. Who remembers a good old chap by the name of Captain Cook? Well, his first name wasn't actually Captain. I don't actually know what it was, but his last name was Cook. James, that's it. Captain James Cook. Australian history wasn't my specialty. Well, back in those days, when they would go on their long sea voyages and they needed to carry the cargo of food, when it came to the meat, what they would do is they would salt the meat because the salt would preserve the meat and it would stop it from going off and going rotten. There is nothing worse Than the smell or the taste of rotten food. I have a young one year old daughter named Morgan, and I'm sure you would all agree she is the cutest thing on the planet, by far the cutest little girl within this church. Isn't that right, Danny Morton? Isn't that right, Cess? Although she's very cute, there are things that come out of her body, and they are not so cute, they are quite disgusting. But I'm telling you, I would take that over off milk any day. Now, see, for me, one of my favorite things is because I, I don't get to be at home with Morgan. One of my, the things I love to do is I love to feed her her boppy before she goes to bed. She has a, bottle of, a warm bottle of milk. We call it her boppy. I love to give her a boppy before she goes to bed. So we'll go upstairs where it's nice and quiet. And she'll kind of lie back and she's already got the whole motion. She like kicks it out, puts the legs out, lies back and strews herself all over me as she drinks down on her boppy. But there was this one night she's sitting there and I could hear it guzzling away. You know, there's air bubbles that are coming up. So I'm thinking, I know when there's air bubbles, there's, there's liquid moving. So I'm thinking, cool, everything's going according to plan. Until I reached over and it was wet. So I've looked down, I've turned the light, looked down, and she hasn't been drinking. She's been playing with the, with the nib of her, of her boppy, and milk has gone everywhere. She's saturated. All her jammers, her singler underneath, pillowcases, absolutely saturated with milk. So I'm like, ah, oh. pick her up, take her over to the change table, get her all changed and stuff like that. Take her jammers, just chuck them in the laundry basket, put some new jammers on, put her to bed. Didn't think another thing of it. Until probably about five days later. No, it wouldn't have been that long, because we, we, we do our washing closer periods than that. Kel, Kel's giving me some devil eyes right now. just like, you're making me look bad. I would say straight away, Kel did the washing, but that'd be a lie as well. But anyway, a couple of days later, we got a townhouse, so we got stairs. I get home from work, and Kel's just like, there's something upstairs. And I'm like, what? She goes, there's just something upstairs. So I start walking up the stairs going, oh, I can't smell nothing. It's fine. I get to the bend of our stairs to go up to the second level and it hits me. It's like someone standing there with a pillow just like, boom. And just I've walked up the steps and it's just this most rank, putrid smell that has just filled the entire upper level of our house. And I'm going, what on earth is that smell? I'm sitting there going, oh, maybe we've got dead mice or dead something in, my, in, in the house. But then I had this thought, I'll run over to the laundry basket and the the smell's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I've searched through and there they are, Morgan's pajamas, which are soaked now in off milk. And it was absolutely disgusting. But you know what? Sometimes our lives can be like that. We sit there and think, oh, as long as it's hidden away, it doesn't matter. But you know what? When we've got sin in our life, our life starts to rot. And there's a foul smell that starts to radiate from our life. And when people come in contact to us, with us, they don't come in contact with the fragrance of Jesus. They come in contact with this smelly, stinking, vile rot. So what are the things that are in our life that make us rot? Well, I touched on a couple of them before selfishness when things are all about us and not about others when when we're in groups and people, we meet people for the new for the first time, but we don't really care about them. We just start hanging around with our own people and we leave them to uh, them to themselves. When we start developing cliques and when we start looking down on people and thinking that we're better than people because of the way they may dress or the may, way they may act. And because of that, we don't associate with those people because we're just being selfish. Selfishness, unforgiveness. When people do bad things to us and we decide we are not going to let that thing stand. I'm going to hold a grudge against this person. I'm angry with this person. And then, next thing you know, bitterness has taken root in your life, and you start to smell. Language. Foul language is another thing that just smells. When we open our mouth and instead of encouragement and words that build up, it's words that tear down or it's foul language, it's swearing. Whether, and I said this to the young guys on Friday. It doesn't necessarily have to be verbal. It could be the stuff that people are writing on Facebook. It could even be when you abbreviate things and you just say a letter. You all know what you're trying to say, so you might as well just say it. Or better yet, just be the kind of person that doesn't have that kind of vocabulary. Because what happens is you start to smell. But the thing is, sin doesn't always have to be uh, visible. There's a lot of invisible sins that we have in our life which smell just as bad. Insecurity. When you don't know who you are and you bend over backwards and you end up becoming this person who is so far removed from who you really are just because that's what the popular people want. And that's what the in crowd says that you should dress like or act like or talk like. I don't really imagine God wanting his people to be characterized by things like insecurity or fear. There's another one. When we're scared to make a stand for what we truly believe in, when we read the word of God and we get fired up by what it says, but we're too scared to actually do that and put it into practice when we're around the cool people or the people. What will they think? Those things are the things that just stink, especially to the nose of God. When you are salt, your life is preserved from all those things. When you live a life that's salty... What you're saying is I'm going to live a life which is not insecure. I'm going to find my security in the living God and I'm going to live my life the way He says that I should live my life. I'm going to be who He has called me to be. I'm not going to live in fear. Why? Because my Bible says the greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. It also says that if God is for me, who can be against me? So what should I fear? When it comes to the person who's done something bad to me, I'm going to forgive them. Why? Because my Bible says that Christ forgave me. That's what living a salty life looks like. And what do you know? You're preserved. Your life isn't affected by the ravage of sin. But not only is your life preserved, when you start living a life like that, the people around you are affected as well. They start standing up and going, what is it about that person? What is it about the way they live their life? I don't know what it is, but I want that. And they will start asking you questions. And because you're in a healthy spot, you can start to help them. It's no use as a rotting corpse trying to turn around and say, oh, here, let me help you. Instead, we need to be healthy people who know what it is to be able to bring that help. And the third point is this, and for lack of a better word, I've said this, salt kills. And I'm sitting there going, no, that doesn't mean that Jesus wants us to become murderers. He doesn't want us to go around and start killing people, although there have been times. But salt kills. See, there's a passage in the Bible, and it's found in Judges 9 verse 45. And I read it just this week and I noticed what it was is there was this big battle. And Abimelech had turned around and just defeated this person. But not only did he destroy the city, it said that he covered it in salt. You see, when you salt the ground, it inhibits growth. Because the salt goes deep down into the soil and it sucks up all the nutrients, and it inhibits anything from growing. Which I guess, in a sense, is a really good thing. Because if you read through your Bible, sin is characterized very similar to weeds. Although it's specifically not mentioning it, Matthew thirteen twenty four is the parable of the weeds, and it talks about how a man goes out and he sows good seed. But the enemy comes along and sows weeds amongst it. And as a result, the crop is then infected with weeds. Now, that parable is explained and it's talked about how the seed of weeds is the evil one and his sons. But I think principle behind evil people is that root of sin. But you know what? When we salt the earth, when we salt the earth of our life, we can inhabit, we can inhabit, should I say weeds from growing up. But not only that, Hebrews twelve verse one talks about the sin that so easily entangles us. And for me, I just I see this picture of a vine that's growing around a person. And once it's got its roots and its limbs all entwined within that person, what do you know? The sin is so hard to break off that person's life. But the reality is is if we live a life which is salted If the ground on which we walk is salted ground, what do you know? It inhabits sin from not only taking root in our life, it inhabits the sin from growing in our life and it inhabits it from bearing fruit in our life. And so that's why I say we need to live life which is like salted ground because salt kills and it inhabits things like bitterness taking root in your life. It inhabits the sin taking root within your life. I will close with this point. And it's the second half of that verse. It says, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up In the garbage. There is nothing worse in life than a hypocrite. Someone who claims to be salty but isn't. Claims to have the fragrance, the enhancement of Jesus Christ in their life but isn't. The person who claims to have a life preserved by the grace of God but hasn't. A person who claims to walk on salty ground. Yet their life is ensnared and entangled in sin. The Bible says that you become useless and you'll end up in the garbage. The NIV says that you are useless. You're worthless. You should be thrown out, the ground, out onto the ground so men can trample on you. As the band comes, I want to close with this. God is the preserver of life. God is is the one that gives us our saltiness. Because there's so many things that I've talked about tonight. I've talked about being able to forgive those that wrong you. I've been been talking about having a language that builds up and encourages rather than tears down. I've talked about so many things which in the natural, we are just not strong enough to do. In the natural, we don't have the capacity to do. According to our own right, we're not salty people. We are only salty when we get before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we call upon His saltiness. And it's Him who pours His love and His grace and His mercy into our life. And then we become salty. Because we're just not good enough in our own strength. Now, there would be maybe some people out there that are thinking to themselves, I reckon I've lost my saltiness. Because it's so easy to do. You get to that dry place where you stop reading your Bible. You stop praying to God. You stop communing with the Holy Spirit. And you sit there and you go, you know what? It's been ages since I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's been ages since I got before him in his presence. It's been ages since I've got on my knees and worshipped and exalted the name of Jesus into my life. And we get to those places where we lose our saltiness. Our life has started to have a little bit of rot set in. But the good thing about Jesus is he's there, he's ready, he's waiting. The Bible says that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait for you to become this salty person before he wanted to use you. He saw you in your rotten state when you were stinking to high heaven. And he said, I'm going to make you clean. If we can, let us stand to our feet. Let's just close our eyes as we give this moment the respect that it deserves. It's so easy to get to that place. And the things that Tone's been alluding to, the way you avoid getting to that place is by having a real genuine relationship with God a real relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit and you don't live a life that's fake fake doesn't necessarily mean you're sinless to be genuine it just means when you do stuff up you admit it and you confess it to God and you say you know what God I've stuffed up again if that's you in this place tonight You've got to that place where, you know what? I've lost my edge. I've lost that saltiness. As I look at my life, I find actually, you know what? I've I've become pretty useless. I'm here to tell you that God can give back to you what you're lacking. He can come and right that which is wrong in your life. If your life is starting to smell, He can make you whole again. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. So good to see hands going up. Our God is a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. He is compassionate. It says, the Bible says that His mercies are new every day. There is nothing that we should fear. We just need to turn to Him and He will heal us. So you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray and this prayer is going to be for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that is available to us each and every single day. Father, we cry out right now for these people that have responded to you. God, we ask that you would come and you would make them whole again. You would make them salty afresh, Lord Jesus. Where they're admitting to you, Lord Jesus, where their life has slipped. Father, I cry out and I ask in Jesus' name that you would come and you would add increase to them, Lord. You would bring saltiness back into their life, Lord Jesus, so that when people encounter them, Lord, they will encounter the fragrance and the flavor of Jesus Christ. When they encounter them, Lord, they will encounter a life that's preserved from heartache and a life that's not ensnared and entangled with weeds of sin. For some of you, though, You just may not even know the God that I'm talking about. You've heard the words that I've said and you think that's really, really good. But I just don't know the person that you're talking about. I don't know who this Jesus Christ is. But you said something and it challenged me. You said that I'm rotten. And I always was rotten. And you know what? We always were. Unfortunately, we were born that way. That was our condition. We were born rotting from the day we came out of our mother's womb. But for Jesus. But for the sheer mercy of our God who saves us. If you don't know this God that we're talking about or even you may have known Him but your life has slipped away and you you stop walking with him and you can say that, you know what, actually I turned my back on my relationship with God. If that's you, you've never known Jesus. You've never known the grace and the love and the forgiveness that's found in God. Or you did and you've walked away. If that's you and you want to come back to God, I want you to just respond by raising your hand because I'd love to pray with you. As a church, we'd love to stand with you. I want to draw it out, but at the same time, this is your time. This is the moment. This is the opportunity where you can get right with God. Doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. But it just means there's a journey of forgiveness and healing that's going to take place. And I'll tell you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. I don't see any hands, so let me just pray and then I'll hand back to Tone. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to share your word tonight. God, we thank you so much for the wisdom and the truth that's held up in your word and the fact that you've given it to us freely to live by. Your word holds us strong. It holds us steady. Thank you for your word. Father, I just pray that you would bless the word tonight. May there have been ears that have heard it, hearts that have received it, And I pray that as we leave this place, God, that we would leave changed, committed to living a life that brings the God flavors out into this world. Thank you in Jesus' name. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.